Hello. Hello. <laughs> I hate that. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of the one, the only, the uninformed podcast. As you know, the greatest thing you can put into your ears without getting an infection. I'm Ethan, your informed host this week, and I'm joined by Zach. Hey, Ethan. What's up? What's up? I got Jared. Hi, Ethan. I'm Jared. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> and Mr. <laughs> Big Daddy himself, Jonah. Oh, hey, yo, indeed. Oh. Indeed. All right. When, when did Jonah get that nickname, Big Daddy? He told us that on the first week, bro. I just I just run with it. Yeah, nice. stick with it, yeah. I preferred Big Poppy, and Ooh. then it turned into Big Daddy. Okay, all right, Big Poppy. We'll keep that in mind. Make sure to comment Big Poppy in all of our posts. Hashtag right. Big Poppy. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm going to start this week, as you know, I like to do, with a statement. Now, the statement, probably not going to make a lot of sense right now, but hopefully by the end it, of this episode, it will. And that statement is the following. If you know how to sing, dance, and act in drag, which is dressing up as a woman, for those that don't know, then you can shortcut the line to get into one of the most powerful, secret, owl-worshipping societies in the world. What? Oh, All right. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I, you know, what's funny? I was going to do this topic, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dude. All right, yeah, I'm you, curious to see how you'll judge. do it now, so... I'm actually talking. All right. <laughs> I, knew, dude, I, knew, I knew Zach would love this. Yeah, I, I already love knew this. this in the beginning. I, can, can I say yeah, what Paul it is? Zach RuPaul. I, I'm like uh, itching at the... He's ready. Bit. Well, let me just say this intro, right. and it, you'll probably know exactly. Just yeah. keep that in mind, Tish. All I right. guarantee you know what it is. Yeah, I definitely right. know what it is. So that, uh, that whole intro thing, <laughs> apparently Tish already knows. Yeah. But we'll, uh, like I said, hopefully make more sense in a second. Okay, so... Let's put our imagination caps on. We're going to do a little story time. So, everyone, you guys ready? You want to hear a little story? Yeah, yeah do I. If you're in the car, pull over, put a hat on. All right. Here we are, the four of us, and you at home. We're all sitting at home when suddenly we get some mail. We open it, and it's an invitation to a summer camp in California. Is that ringing any bells so far, Zach? Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Okay. Odd, we think, but still, we go onward. So we accept it and fly out to San Francisco. We land at SFO Airport. We rent a car, throw in the coordinates of the summer camp into the GPS, and it's 100 miles north. It's a two-hour journey, seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Odd, we think, but still we go onward. So we're driving for a while, and finally we get to this small town, surrounded by these 300-foot-tall redwood trees. We stop at, at a little diner, grab a bite to eat, and then we ask a local about this summer camp. They become very hush-hush and seem to not know any details about it. Odd, we think, but still, we go onward. You guys you guys, picking up what I'm putting down mm-hmm. yet? Okay. No, no idea. All right. We head to the location of the summer camp, and it looks like we're heading into the trees. We got massive, hundreds-year-old redwoods to our left and right, and we come up to a guard. Jared, ever the fitness buff, notices the guard's physique and concludes that they must be ex-military. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like me. Tish, mm-hmm. ever the technology scout, looks out the rental car window and notices security cameras and motion sensors. Mm. Mm-hmm. Classic Tish, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Jonah makes some small talk with the guards. <laughs> hey, guards, how are you? <laughs> Odd, we think, but still we go onward. 
So we parked the car and were ushered to our stay, which is a cabin with this metal plaque of an owl on the outside that says, mm-hmm. Weaving spiders come not here. Odd, we think, but still we go onward. On our first day, the valets give us concoctions of beer, liquor, and tea until we have to pee profusely. Where's the bathroom? Everywhere, says another person, as he whips out his Johnson and urinates on a 500-year-old redwood tree. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. On our first night, we get ushered to a small lake within the woods, along with a thousand other people. We take a look around, and we see ex-presidents, foreign leaders, Mm -hmm. policymakers, gas and oil tycoons, and just generally an extremely exclusive and elite guest list. Odd, we think, but still we go onward. Then... As if none of this was odd so far, something else odd happens. It's dark, It's there's only a little bit of moonlight filtering in from the tree canopy above, and then chanting voices come in through the woods. On the other side of this lake that we're all seated at, there's a giant cement owl statue. And then, <laughs> multiple hooded figures with red cloaks come out in front of the owl from, with, from behind the woods, and they seem to be carrying a body, a human effigy. Mm-hmm. They say its name is Dull Care, as they light it on fire in front of everyone. And then all of a sudden, that giant four-story owl starts talking. Odd, we think, but still we go onward. <laughs> After that night, we spend the next two weeks living in cabins in this redwood forest on a drunken, enlightened journey fueled by lakeside chats from world leaders, secrets from the Pentagon, secrets from the Vatican, low jinks, high jinks, plays, musical, and above all, public urination. And it's called Bohemian Grove. <laughs> Yes, Zach. You, I, yes, I, I want to say you, it so bad. Yes, you, you already knew from the from mm. the minute I started. No. <laughs> so first of all, I, I'll just start by saying this: What do you guys think of that story? It sounds far fetched, obviously, right? But it reminds me a lot of my summer camp days as a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it is literally that, except yeah. these men are very old and very powerful. But yeah, summer camp. Tish, what do you think about that? Uh, it sounds like a very secretive frat um, fraternity. Um, it's, <laughs> it seems like it's like very far fetched, but it's actually like reality. Like this thing yeah. actually happened. That's, a, which is that's crazy. Cause that's exactly yeah. what I have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just like that. It's just, first of all, it is real. So yep. it's a, it's a real thing as you guys may, may know now. Um, and it is just like a, a secret fraternity. Yeah. So just, just, a, just a, a little background. So we're on the same page here. It started a long time ago. It's been going around for a while. It's still going on today, yep. but it started in 1872 which I think it's like 151 years old now. It's 2023 now. So yeah, um, there are these artists that lived in what was then a, a very small San Francisco, and they wanted a place to practice and perform their art freely. So they rented some logging woods north of San Francisco and this uh, redwood grove, you know, just a forest of redwood trees. But eventually they realized that the art alone doesn't pay the bills. So they started inviting some of their business buddies, and they, those business buddies gave them money to perform. And it was kind of a mutual deal, right? The artists were getting money to act, dance, and sing. And then the businessmen were getting these exclusive experimental performances. And that's just kind of the way it was for a while. But then in the early 1900s, those businessmen, they started outnumbering the artists. And then they started using that place as a business meeting. So they, the club enacted this motto, Weaving Spiders Come Not Here, which is just a quote from a Shakespeare play. Because, you know, a, a spider, it weaves for its job, right? That's a spider's job is to weave. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you came to do your job, a.k.a. if you came to do business, then do not come. Leave the business at the door. 
and, and that's uh, that's one of the reasons why that first night they conduct that cremation of Creation care. Of care yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. So that thing that I just mentioned earlier, yep. when they burn that human effigy in front of the owl, it just basically symbolizes leave your materialistic, mm-hmm. power-thirsty cares at the door when you come there. Burn them away, because for two weeks, there'll be none of that. Only a, a bohemian renaissance, a.k.a. the Bohemian Club. So that motto was pretty important. It's still, like I said, it's still a motto today, but it, it got ignored, even though, um, like I said, it's, it's still the motto. It just got ignored for all these years and handshake deals between businessmen. While they were at the Grove, they got more and more prominent, and then that attracted more and more prominent members. So people like Herbert Hoover, the Rockefellers, Mark Twain, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, these are big names, the Bushes, Clint Eastwood, kings of foreign lands, the heads of industry. It was even said that Oppenheimer, he went there right before the whole Manhattan Project and the development of the atomic bomb. He was at Bohemian Grove. So each day for these two weeks, there'd be these lakeside chats. You know, different men would have a, basically a TED talk, you know, talking to all the other members. There'd be a bunch of mingling, a bunch of buffoonery. Like Tish said, it was, it's basically reliving days gone by for those middle-aged men. Essentially mm-hmm. a booze-filled, elite, fraternity-style summer camp. Yep. And, and emphasis on noteworthy, powerful men. And um, notice there I said men. And that is because women are not allowed. Mm-hmm. Women were not allowed as members. They can be waitresses and valets, but they have to leave after the day is over. No women can stay overnight as members. And believe it or not, that actually... You know, you think of, like, civil rights and sexism wasn't a thing back then, but they actually did get busted for that in the 70s that, you know, they're like, the government was like, oh, women should be able to join. The club was like, nah, being a male is an occupational quality. Like, they're not being sexist. It's just a part of their occupation, being men. But, yeah, so that didn't change anything, though. Women were still not allowed. And so, yeah, that's the, the club has gone on like that for years. And um, you may be wondering how to get in. Um and the answer is not so easy. Uh, so, like I said, this club is completely secret. So, you know, everything that I'm given here is just from what we know from infiltrations and, and, you know, interviews. But overall, it's very secret. So I don't have a lot of the answers. But I do have this answer, sort of, of how to get in. First off, you have to pay money, right? A it's lot of money. It's $25,000. Yeah. yeah. It's twenty five k, And like I said, you know, we only get glimpses over you know, certain certain years throughout history of, of, of what happens at the camp. So at one point it was $25,000. And, of course, it might be different now. It might be way more expensive, inflation and all that. Is but that a one-time fee? It's one time, but then you continuously play, pay every year if you're, if you're in the club. The but, same 25K buy-in? Uh, it's a little bit less than that, I think, per year. But the 25K buy-in is just to be acknowledged. It's not to even to get in. And so, like, 25K for, for the rich, you know, that's not really a big deal. For the mega rich, that's like a penny to them. But once you pay that 25K to be acknowledged, you have to know someone to get into the club. Not just one, actually, but you have to know two people to get into that club. And they have to recommend you. They have to recommend you to the council. So then once you get screened by this council, you have to get nine out of 11 votes. So that's only two votes no, obviously. And if you get three votes no, you have to wait another three years to even be considered again. So boom, you're paying money. You have to know two people already. They have to recommend you. You have to get screened by a council. You have to get watched, interviewed, blah, 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 and get a majority of the votes. And if that all goes right, you know, first of all, that's that's really rare and difficult. But if you get all of that, if you achieve all of that, 
you don't even get to get in yet. You get put on a wait list that can last up to 20 years. A 20-year wait list to get into this place. Mm-hmm. It's been said that if you're not on this list by the time you're 30, you might as well say goodbye. You're not going to get in. That makes it obviously very exclusive, which leads me to what Richard Nixon said. He said, obviously Richard Nixon was president, and he uh, also was in the club. But he said, everyone has a chance to be president. You know, in other words, all U.S. citizens. But not everyone has a chance to be a Bohemian Club president. Meaning, the Bohemian Club is even more exclusive (laughs) than being president of the United States. Wow. So, I, I think we can all agree, none of us will probably ever get into this club. But there is one backdoor method. So I said earlier that the main point of the club was to allow artists to perform freely for elite audiences, right? I also said that there are no women allowed in the club. So if you put two and two together, you'll find that the club actually fast tracks, shortcuts any male performer that'll dress in drag to get into the club without the 20-year wait list. Now, is anybody interested in that? (laughs) Yes. Let's sign me up. I know you would be, man. <laughs> if you honestly think about that, if you all you have to do is sing, dance, and act, and you know put a wig on, some lipstick, bro, you could be performing in front of the biggest men in the world, like the top two hundred richest men in the world. You'll be hard pressed to not find them at this club. That's insane. What do you guys think about that? Two weeks in July, every two, uh, beginning of July, every two weeks. I'm sorry, every year for two weeks, you have a chance to go in, Tish. You gonna try to make it? Why not? Why not take my chances, right? Well, if you do take your chances, you'll get arrested. That's been, true. Like I said, some infiltrations. Uh, actually, Tish, one of your your best buddies, Alex Jones. Yeah. He, he see, I was just gonna say that. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. He he's the one that infiltrated. <laughs> I know. Uh, there, I know exactly. Yep. Yeah. There's one in the '70s, one in '89. Yep. He infiltrated in 2000. Yep. And from that infiltration, they actually beefed up the security a lot. Yeah. So it's really harder to infiltrate it now. I mean, yeah. like I said, there's ex-military, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. What would you actually get arrested for? Like trespassing? trespassing. Yeah. yeah, trespassing. Yeah, so yep. They they rented that that grove in the 1800s, but then after a couple of years they just flat out bought it. So the club owns that ground now. So they yeah, it's trespassing. Yeah. Oh, okay. What Ethan was saying speaking of Alex Jones, he actually got a video of the cremation of care ceremony. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you can watch it on the internet now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's was literally... he not like arrested after the fact for it? Alex what, Sagan? Was he not arrested after the fact? Like, if he talked about how he went in uh, there and had video evidence that he was there, was I think he not... he, I think he was arrested. I'm not sure. I can't remember in my reading if he was arrested or not. But everyone after, like, there was that. There's a History Channel show. Brad Meltzer's Decoded. They went in. They tried doing it and they got arrested. Yeah, that was like yep, 2010 or something. I think there's yeah. one other person from Vanity Fair. Uh, because, yeah, ever since then, the security's way higher. So, yeah, you'll get arrested. Mm-hmm. I think – and then Alex Jones even said he tried making it in five more times. <laughs> he's, he's a crazy man. Yeah, he is. But, I mean, to be in the company of that concentration of power, I mean, that's got to put some goosebumps on your neck. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. Right. Jared, are you going to this place or not? Um, I, I, I still have question marks. I'm I'm still caught up on the whole public urination thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so these basically, I mean, keep in mind, it's just a bunch of guys trying to relive their youth. You know, these are middle-aged men, so they have prostates, you know, they can't hold their pee. So they're going to be peeing everywhere. Uh, they like to pee. That's part of, like, the, uh, the openness and the freedom of it is that you can pee anywhere. 
In fact, that's one of the reasons they cited back in the 70s for not allowing women, because then they were like, oh, if, if women here, then we can't just pee anywhere. It'll, it'll ruin the morals of the club. So, hmm. like, do we know if there are bathrooms and people just choose to pee freely outside? Yeah, they have cabins. So okay. there's, like, there's really, there's really famous cabins, and there's a handful of them. They each have names. And basically, it's like the houses in Harry Potter or whatever. It's like, you know, there's Gryffindor or whatever it is. And, like, you know, famous people from 50 years ago, they were at this particular cabin. So it's the same thing with this place. So they have these cabins with specific names and, like... A certain president might frequent one cabin and, you know, be known for that. And then another guy might hit up another cabin. But the, the cabins are just like, they're not just like basic. I guess they're just basic log cabins. But yeah, they have bathrooms. But it's part of the the mystique, part of the allure to be able to pee in this grove of these massive trees. Because remember, these trees are like, you know, uh, mass. Like the diameter is a few feet, like 8 to 10 feet diameter. Um, so it's just like peeing on a, on a wooden wall, basically. It sounds but amazing. Yeah, that's part of the part of the fun man hey would you do it oh yeah guys million dollar idea here oh gosh inspired from this story we will start our very own the uninformed podcast camping adventure once a year very exclusive you have to be a follower (laughs) on all of our platforms at least you know so many comments and then uh, we'll screen people and and let them in and we'll do our own thing and, and have our own rules and make it just as yeah. exclusive, and we, and we pay you. We pay you to come instead of you paying us. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's pretty lucrative. This is small. If you said, if you're saying, yeah. it, lose yeah. lose twenty five bucks each time. Uh, Dude, I'm down. Yeah, you know, it's not not a bad idea. Uh, Ethan wasn't um, Ernest Hemingway a part of it at one point? Was he in attendance at the club? I'm sure he was. That sounds like a guy that would definitely be there. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see him pop up, but I guarantee you probably. I feel was. like I've heard that. I wasn't sure if you read. He, he was a that. prominent white dude yeah. in the eight and twentieth century, so he definitely He probably definitely went there. Yeah. One of the concerns that people have, they're like, um, you know, these these powerful men from all over the world, they're gathering and talking to each other, and you know, having these meetings in really close proximity for two weeks. They're thinking that like, oh, they must be running the world, you know. Like, these decisions made basically control the world since they're such heads of industry. And that scares the, some general public people. What do you guys think? Does that scare you that that happens every year? Yeah, but, like, say they all went out to dinner at, at Olive Garden. Like, you can't stop them from, from meeting and what they're going right. to discuss. Like, if it wasn't this, they could meet up somewhere else. So, yeah, that, that's um, exactly the counterpoint. It's like, it's just freedom of meeting. You know? That's true. But, but the other scary um, part is yeah. about like the big owl and stuff, like the yeah. cultish behaviors, the owl, the, the nude-ness of it. Were you going to say mean, this? Yeah, if, if I was going to say, I mean, like Jonah was saying, you can't stop them from meeting, but I still think since they have that much control and that much handle over the world, I think it's at some point like there you should have a right to know at least some cliff notes or if not like the majority of the meeting you know what I mean I, that way so there's some insight I, I of what's kinda, actually going to go on but yeah. I mean that's never going to happen obviously since you have all that control you're not going to want that's uh, the rest of the world going to know what's going to go on obviously some so. people just want to remove the secrecy just yeah, exactly put it all out just the table. yeah remove the the so you, veil. you're of that mindset yeah. that you want the secrecy removed in I mean that would be that would be ideal so, but that's probably not going to happen but unfortunately. say say Tom Brady and LeBron James and Messi and, and Gretzky and they all got together and had dinner like are they supposed to leak what they talked about do you need Cliff like where where does that wh- where's the line about who 
if it's politicians, is that when we have to know what? I, what I think it is? so. I think from what LeBron James, Tom Brady, and I forget the other one you said, but um, all those athletes, I think what they say uh, matters maybe to some extent to some people, but I feel like politicians, like from around the world, that matters more. Um, especially, more definitely, it, it has more weight to it. Um, for example, I'm not sure this kind of relates to what Ethan was have been ta- has been talking about the Davis Group, uh, Bilderberg Group. That's also another association that meets possibly some people from Bohemian Grove that meet up to um, at a secret location. Um, there's actually been like uh, itineraries and um, agendas that have been leaked out and like from people who have been at those meetings. Um, it's it's a very secretive thing as well, and they talk about what's going on and like what they're gonna do for the coming years and like what they're gonna try to push and all that stuff. So um, it's something else to look into as well. So, well, so is you're, it, are you scared is it, by it, Tish? I mean, why wouldn't you be scared? I mean, there's like there, there's uh, ulterior motives at play. I think there could be. There I, could I be. think there could be. I mean, I think it, it would be fair for the public to know, but. Like I said, it's probably very unlikely unless it gets hey, blown we, up. Weaving spiders so. come not here. Weaving spiders come exactly. Not here. Should, we're, we we're never gonna know. Um, so they say, even so. be doing business. So so say they oh, yeah. they didn't do this camp thing, but with it being uh, you know at the time of us recording Super Bowl heading heading into the Super Bowl here, what if some some of these politicians fly out to Arizona and they stay in the same hotel together? And you know they're there for the game, but you know behind the scenes, like you, who knows what they're talking about? Maybe it's politics, maybe not. Maybe there's yeah. twenty of them. Like, you know, I, I think it's a little unreasonable to expect that any time a group of uh, prominent people get together, they're required to put out cliff notes of what they're saying. No, um, yeah, I see what you're saying too. I, I see that counterpoint. I mean, that's like us coming together and like having a discussion. Um, but. I think to some to a certain extent, if it really impacts the world in a negative fashion, I think it would be fair for the world to know about it, at least yeah. to have some idea yeah, but, of what's going I, but, on. I mean, and, we're and, never like I said, we're not going to know everything, but it would be nice to at least like fill us in a little bit. But what about this? You know. What about this? What about those like summit? You know, like those G twenty or I don't even know exactly those summits. Yeah. The, what what if those summits were just held in secrecy, Jonah? What if you yeah. know all the world leaders went to a UN's meeting, a United Nations meeting, but they didn't tell anybody what happened at the meeting? They could be deciding some big yeah. top dog stuff. Definitely, well, you know, it's different than a dinner party. My my difference with that is they are the G twenty or these other world meetings. They're getting together to discuss politics in some form or fashion. Like that's the the purpose of what they're doing. Well, the, some people think that's the purpose of Bohemian Grove. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's a, some people think it's like, the same thing as one of those but, summits. But yeah. it's not all politicians that are there. You said Clint Eastwood. You rattled yeah, off a exact, couple other people. Ex- you're so, exactly right. It's you know, not all politicians. You're right. Well, do you want? There are. There's yeah. like two thousand people though. There's like a lot of people. Yeah. So if there's two thousand, and you said of the top two hundred richest people in yeah, America, were okay. So the you know. Not all those people are politicians. Some of them are just going to be, you know, maybe the CEO of Walmart or whatever. You know, not that they, when you get that rich, you obviously have influence over people, but it's not always political influence. So I, you know, I totally agree. But also, Jenna, it's not just those people. Like they, like the politicians could, you know, have their own meeting. Just there's like 2,000 people there. So the, the CEO of Walmart doesn't have to be in the meeting, he could be on the side. Hey Jonah, so what if say what if um all these top uh 
people from like CEOs from all these big companies in the USA and all over the world, and even like politicians gathered and say in their head, um, this is very hypothetical, by the way, um, say they want to put in a puppet as president, like a, a person who doesn't really act, but it's there as the face of a nation. Um, I think that would be very dangerous to society because then you have someone else pulling the strings from behind. Um, so I, I think there are definitely potential dangers. Uh, but then also there probably are very logical, very good reasons uh, why things are kept secret. But I think yeah, we should then, at least have an idea a little bit of uh, what's going foil on. Hat, um, foil hat. So I mean, uh, yeah, I know I like to play that card. So sometimes. But so my rebuttal to that would be. Th- Obviously, if you have donors, if you're running for office, having donors, having money, being able to run ads, that's obviously a, a huge advantage. But at the end of the day, the people have a vote. Yeah. So, you know, if they prop up some somebody, it's it comes down to the people, and we have a vote when it comes to voting in, in a, a use. I think you said a puppet or a talking head yeah. or whatever. It, it comes down to us so they could try to do whatever they want but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen and i just i don't think that if they're going to have this this meeting they're going to do it anyway there's no way to stop it i guess is my thing because say they come in or you know say now there's there's regulations for it. well you're not allowed to hold this camp every year now well they're just going to find some other way to do it yeah that's true too but and i can't stop that either yeah i also see that like since you said like you know uh, for certain seats, especially for the president, it comes down to a vote. Um, hypothetically, let's say like um, these people have so much control where the vote doesn't even matter anymore. What if yeah, they another, became? Yeah. Point. What if they had found a way to pull strings and Jonah actually might be overestimating? The you know, public vote. figure out ways to get the people they want into power. Um, I'm Jonah just like trying to. The power I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull my uh, tinfoil hat out here. That's all I'm saying. I, okay, I think I think example, it could be possible in, potentially. In this, you know? in the in the system we live in in America, it's essentially a two party system. Well, yeah. So in order for that to happen, both parties would have to do the same thing and, and put up a bad candidate in order for that party to accomplish what they want to accomplish. If it's only one party and it's clearly not a good candidate. Hopefully, the purpose of the general election, the general vote, is that the citizens will see that and they'll vote for the other one. Given our state as a country nowadays, who knows what could happen uh, in any election anymore? But I, I just, if they're going to get together and put somebody there, I, I like to think that we, the people, are smart enough to kind of recognize what's going on. If if all of a sudden, you know, some somebody. Uh, is clearly a puppet or a figurehead or, or whatever. I, I agree with you too to some extent. I, I really, you know, I hope the people would um, see through <laughs> uh, a puppet if there was one. But um, I feel like if, say, I mean, I'm being like very hypothetical here just to play devil's advocate, really. So, um, I mean, I think there could be a potential if certain people had certain uh, a lot of control, then say they could control the media and then it would be hard to influence the public to think a certain way um that's um not voting for a puppet but i mean Abs- this is absolutely. all just like hypothetical i i agree saying. absolutely yeah. but that's that's either gonna happen or it's not yeah. and if it's gonna happen they're gonna find a way for it to happen if you shut this summer camp down for grown men i see they're gonna too, find yeah. another way to do it yeah. you know like it's 
it'll be behind closed doors. They'll take yeah. more secretive steps instead of just doing this camp. But they they're gonna figure out a way to do it regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see that too as well. Yeah, I want to take this conversation back because two things. One. The Bohemian Grove has gone on for 150 years, so it has a lot of prestige to it. Yeah. There's a difference between just a few politicians meeting up for a particular meeting on a random day in the year and 2,000 of the world's most important and influential people meeting in the same place as they have for 150 years. So the Bohemian Grove holds a lot of prestige, like I said. Um, the second thing is, away from the politics here, there are other scales to this. You know, there's, you know... Uh, the the acting scale, right? Mm-hmm. They could have uh, some influences on like maybe who gets an Oscar, maybe who gets a Grammy. That stuff exists. Yep. And and just to reverse for a second here, what you said about the whole presence thing, I don't want to get too political. Yeah, I'm not trying to. In the nineties, yeah. when in the nineties when uh, George Bush's dad, which is George H W Bush, right? Yes. He, yeah, after he was president and before his son was president, they were both at Bohemian Grove. Their their frequency there. Skull and and bones. he said. Right. He said one in one of his lakeside talks, he yeah. said, My son will make a really great president one day. Wink, wink. And then George Bush became president like uh, in the early 2000s. So. so everyone at home, hope you listened to this entire podcast because it was good. But listen, the scariest part for me is not that a bunch of men with power are concentrated in a single area for two weeks. Yeah. And it's not that they pee everywhere. And it's not that they're sexist. And it's not that they dress and drag. It's that there's a massive owl. There's a massive 40-foot owl <laughs> in front of this lake here that talks to you. That's wild. <laughs> well, yeah, with that, don't they, like, isn't, like, a stage play kind of like a Shakespearean or, like, an opera play? Almost, yeah, that's, that's it seems like that, but thing. aren't they, like, sacrificing something, too? It looks like they have, like, a, a baby or an infant, too, or something? Or am I well, forgetting? Well, they sacrifice at the beginning. The, yeah, the care, like the, the, yeah. It's a metaphor of care. Like, of don't care, care yeah. for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. But the owl is a symbol of knowledge, basically. Yeah. Like it's it's the bohemian lifestyle. They want to have this knowledge. They want to be free. Yeah, it's like a renaissance, you know, basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, does does Chick Fil A cater this, or like what? How, what do they do for food? Is it like gourmet chefs? Like do they so, bring in like yeah, they, Gordon Ramsay type they stuff? They bring or? in. There's workers. So uh, uh, in addition to like the two thousand members, um, in addition to the people that show up for the summer camp, there's additional women and men that are just there for the day to like bring in drinks, bring in food. And it, like, for instance, the day starts every morning at 7 a.m. with a fizzy gin, right? They go to every cabin, they give all these rich men a gin. That way they start the day off drunk <laughs> and they drink all day. And then those, if the waiters and valets, they leave in the evening time. Is there some sort of estimate as far as how much money is spent over the course of this two weeks? In like for in 1970, in 1970, when one of the infiltrations happened, the guy estimated that the final play, which happens on the final weekend of the two-week trip, um, it he estimated that it cost about like 30 grand in 1970, which in today's money is 150 thousand. So they'll spend 150 thousand on one night, and think about it, like all those men, you know, they're millionaires, excuse me, billionaires. They have no issue dropping that kind of money just mm-hmm. on a regular night. So, yeah, there's no estimate overall. I mean, maybe there is, but in one night, it could be upwards of 200 grand. That means throughout the week, it's definitely tens of thousands per day. So that could be like $3 million over the course of two weeks for food, booze, Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. for. I mean, think about it. You know, hundreds of bill- of millionaires. Yeah, you know. but I'm sure they're not drinking Michelob Ultra. So. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not drinking Icy Lights. No, definitely not.
All right, no, I, I was just curious. Thank you. Yeah. So, listen, guys, you guys hopefully all enjoyed yourselves, and hopefully I've inspired you to become actors in drag and perform for ex-presidents in California during the summer. Uh, <laughs> maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no, but regardless, hopefully you're a bit more informed, and we shall see you in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out. Hootie-hoo. Sorry, no. Fucking roll. <laughs>